Hi everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Leadership Series sponsored by Lympha Press. This is where we find out the backstories of the people who are making a difference in the worlds of lymphedema, lipedema, CBI, and wounds. And my guest today was recently named the president of the Save a Leg, Save a Life Foundation, my friend Franca Vilez. It's so wonderful to see you. Well, Brenda, thank you for having me again. Uh, and I do want to thank Lympha Press. Lympha Press does a lot to educate the community patients and, and healthcare workers. So uh, it's a pleasure to be here. So people may know you in your current role, but I'm interested in knowing, and I bet our viewers are too, what is your background? So I do have to uh, tell you that my role has changed also. So I do want to tell you that I'm in Georgia now working with who I called uh, the famous Dr. Helen Gelly and Dr. David Schwegman at Hyperbaric Physicians of Georgia. I am still helping the other facility that you, where you met me at Natchitoches Regional Medical Center. But recently, you're right, um, I'm working with Save a Leg, Save a Life Foundation. But my background, uh, I've been in physical therapy and really wound care was my specialty. And I've been doing this for 32 years. I'm also a lymphedema specialist, and um, I've been doing that for 12 years. <clears throat> I've been also a hyperbaric technician, uh, where I get involved with hyperbarics, and that's been about six years. But also, you know, not even all the work that I'm doing with technology and all the research with now beginning with Duke University, but what my role, I consider myself the patient advocate above everything else. And you really are. In fact, you have some heartwarming stories to tell us later on in the interview. But I have to say, over 30 years in this field, a lot has probably changed since when you started. Yes, and I've seen it. And you know, the great thing about it was, it was back then when we didn't have a lot of dressings. And now people say we have about 6,000. And so um, I, I've, I've been blessed with the opportunities that I've had, even back then when I first started. Uh, and so there's just a lot of history, but everything I've been able to do is because we had companies like Lympha Press that was able to educate us throughout the years. And knowing your knowledge really goes a long way when you're trying to change culture, because that's what we have to do when we have people that don't understand what we do. So that's interesting. You said Lympha Press helps educate the clinicians. Mm hmm so it really is, and we always look to people like you and our thought leaders in educating us. So it really is a partnership, isn't it? It, it is a partnership. And actually, you know, I'm starting something here in Georgia that I started, that I did in Louisiana back in 2009, and I'm calling it the Wound Care Lymphedema Collaborative Network. And I, this is something that I'm launching where industry is going to come in and talk about the science behind the products. And I'm going to invite clinicians. We're not there as competitors. We're there to improve the outcomes of the patients we serve. Because in reality, you know, everybody has information that can help each other out. And so um, we'll see how that turns out. Oh, that sounds exciting. It sounds like something we'd want to be involved with. So I want to go back even further, though, because you've been in lymphedema and wound care for over 30 years. But when you were in elementary school. Were you into science? What intrigued you? How did your interests in your youth lead to your profession? 
Well, I'm going to try to give you the shortcut, but since I was four, when I was living in Puerto Rico, I wanted to be an astronaut. I wanted to be a pilot. And so my parents, um, knowing that I would be the first one to graduate from college in the family, uh, moved us to Orlando near Cape Canaveral. And while I was trying to learn English at the young age of 10, I started flying a couple of years after that. And so I was pursuing my goal. And it wasn't until I got close to wanting to go to the academy and get sponsored that my eyesight fell and I went a different path. So you had to pivot and you had to let go of one dream. But then what ended up happening is you found another that became your purpose. It became my purpose. But you know what? How things it gives me goosebumps to tell you that I've come across people like Dr. Kellen Five and Dr. Mark Moline, who are, you know, I consider them that my male and female role models and good friends because they both are. They're great, great people. But Mark uh, got me involved with a study that now we're talking to NASA and getting involved with the space industry, which is kind of ironic how things are going in the fourth circle. So as soon as you said astronaut, my brain immediately went back to the interview I had done with Dr. Moline and his interest. He had wanted to be an astronaut too. And look at how things have synthesized. It is remarkable, this circle of life and what happens and how we get to where we are. So what would you say as a person who takes care of people, who helps them heal, what are your core values? Well, <clears throat> um, core values. I look at things differently and it keeps changing. It's evolving. You know, um, I want to make sure that people get the right help because what I see is that whether it's a clinician or a patient, I guarantee you most of the time we're unaware how serious the problems are and all the consequences but also we may not know what resources are available. And so that's why I'm starting this collaborative network so we can get together and we can refer because through SoundSal, we know that early diagnosis and treatment by a qualified professional can save legs and lives. And so one of the core values is, and I try to put every patient in that room as a family member, because we tend to treat our family members better than we treat anybody else. Well, at least I would hope, but, um, so the, the value is to look at that person individually, but with the story that we may share later, there's a different component that we don't even look at. And we don't look at how it affects the quality of life for these patients. And when you start talking about their quality of life and they share what they're going through and their family members or their caregivers, it, it makes you sad. Actually, this, this patient that just- Oh, let's go uh, there. I wanna hear about this patient that, this interaction, you just can't shake it. And I want you to share it with our viewers. Go for it. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you, it's going to make me tear up eventually. But um, so I just moved to this town uh, in Georgia and uh, coming Georgia, which is north of Atlanta. And I was told that patients are not going to drive a distance to come see me when there's other centers nearby. Um, and so I have a patient, one of my first patients, um, came in from an hour, from two hours away. And she, in order to get here, because her caregiver, her daughter, her 20-year-old her daughter is trying to do her clinicals, so they have to get here at six in the morning. 
to be seen because it's a two hour ride one way. So anyway, when she came in, she was, you can tell she was fearful. Uh, she was apprehensive. She was crying. She couldn't walk very well. And when I removed the dressing, I mean, she was crying in pain, taking pain medicine. So you can tell <clears throat> her story is that she's been to five different centers in a period of three years. And <clears throat> the day one, we, as a team, I want to say we have a doctor and nurse. And so as a team, we figure out what the problem was. We started treating within a week, her wounds started making progress. And um, so, so within, you know, two sessions, you can see it was like a flower opening up and she started changing. She started seeing hope. And so, so when we talked to her and right before a conference, I came in early on a Saturday to see her because her daughter couldn't get here during the week. And I, I figured, let me just videotape her and I can play that in the conference. And when she started talking about, my question was, how has your life changed? She said, I was at home changing my dressing five times a day. I was embarrassed, the smell. Um, I had to wash my sheets daily. I didn't want to go out. I gave up. I couldn't work anymore. I had to stop being a mom of two. And so that's breaking your heart. But then she said, I became depressed. Five doctors, three of them along the way say I had cancer in that wound and nobody ever did anything about it. And so um, she said, I, I thought about going to the next level. Which was sad because she's, you know, she was alluding to, uh, um, you know, anyway, to, to, it sounds like she was at the point of despair where she didn't want to keep going on. Her comment said, you know, we, we stopped videotaping because I just couldn't anymore. And she started crying, of course. But, and we did a video, a professional video yesterday. And she said, I was suffering in silence. And you know, that, that kind of changed the way I look at things because when you see her, when we asked her, tell us how your life is now, it was like she started lightening up. She's walking. She's back to work. Uh, her daughter, uh, after we uh, did that dressing change on a Saturday, she said she's back. She rearranged the house three times. And for the first time, she went outside and stayed outside all day gardening, which is what she loved. So anyway, so, <laughs> so that's a success story because, again, the quality of life, we, you know, I'm going to be honest, I knew I helped patients, but when you start hearing how it affects the quality of life, her daughter changing her life to help a caregiver at 20. Anyway, so it's impactful. Uh, there's a video coming out on that sponsored by a company because uh, they helped me take care of her. So. So when you are presented with a patient like this, and one of my other questions is what should patients know about your work? Perhaps the takeaway is if you have a wound, you should not suffer in silence. What do patients need to know from you about your work? About my work? Um, you know, I, I do have a team. I know my limitations. And being around in this field for quite some time, I know that I have technology that can help get to the end point. But if I don't, I know when we can early refer them. And we have the data that if we practice as a team, that we will actually have better outcomes. So in a new town, 
I'm going out. And this is a funny story. I'm trying to meet face to face with this clinician. I got to find who I'm going to send my mom to. Let's just say, because again, every patient's my mom. And I'm going to find out who I need to talk to. So I find out quickly that in this town, uh, for whatever reason, I have a hard time getting to see the doctors. So I started going with the patient during their appointments. And so- uh, Wait a minute. Talk about personal service. You went with your patients to their doctor's appointments? If there's a problem, I'm going to find a way to get to talk to them. But, But that's that patient advocacy. And so, yes, uh, the patients get a kick out of it, but uh, that way I know I will be in front of the doctor talking face-to-face. And so, um, so the care that we provide is we want to make sure they're going the right direction because the statistics are there. You know, I can't tell you, we, we know from statistics that the longer you have a wound, the chances of infection and amputation will exist. And patients are coming to clinic here with years, two, three, four, five years having a wound. Uh, at the other clinic, I'm helping a, a patient in Houston, 10 years, he's had a wound. And so, so there's, again, they don't have to suffer in silence. There's technology. It's just being able to partner everybody together. So what patients should be reaching out to save a leg, save a life? How, how does that work? All right. So to tell you a little bit about SalSal, you know, Dr. Desmond Bell was instrumental in starting this over 15 years ago. In 2015, it was restructured and our, our history kind of intertwined. Uh, I have to tell you that in 2008, I sat down with Dr. Bell and we had a very uncomfortable conversation because I was, I was giving him my thoughts and, and it was okay. And we just became friends after that. Uh, but now I'm helping him restructure and I'm going to tell you that we updated our website. So I would encourage any patients to go to the uh, website, which is thesalsal.org, S-A-L-S-A-L.org. And we have a patient assistant program where patients, if they need supplies to save their leg to prevent an amputation, they can apply to the assistant program. And so, you know, one of the things that we see here is when a patient with diabetes that, that may have limited funds and they need something and they can't get it. And so there's, there's help out there. But on the other side, I will tell you that we are a nonprofit organization. We want to not only educate, advocate, and communicate, but we are all volunteering for this. And this is only made possible if we get donations. And so we're restructuring because we want to have an educational program for patients and also healthcare and industry. So there'll be opportunities for that. It seems like you're on the cusp of great change and the ability to help even more people. And so I applaud that. I know Lympha Press applauds that as well, Frank. That's wonderful. Gratifying work. Well, Brenda, you know what's exciting is my mama said, if you hang around with smart people, you know, you will be okay. So, so we increase our board membership to 14 members. And the members on this board are the who of who in wound care and research. And it's so, um, I'm in awe, you know, because these people uh, are, are the people that are going to help make changes. And one thing I will say for patients and healthcare workers, um, <clears throat> With SouthSouth, we started doing community outreach events. We, Desmond Bell, I, and the rest of the board, 
we know that there's a huge problem with amputation, non-healing wounds, peripheral arterial disease. And what we want to do is not just talk about it. We want to change it. We want to be part of a solution. So we started doing community outreach programs where we go to communities and we provide free screening, vascular, peripheral, arterial. Uh, sometimes we do eye uh, optometrists are there and we provide this service for free. And then at the end, the patient gets to sit with our doctors and local doctors so we can kind of review the information and get them the right help. And so, and we provide education on that same day for um, the patients and healthcare workers. So we combine three things. And one of them was something I started back in 2009 that I donated to South Cell. But this is only possible with donations. And so. So similarly, while patients can reach out to thesouthcell.org, is that also the portal, portal where people can donate and get involved? Yes, <clears throat> yes. And, and you, know, you know, just to let you know how much I believe in it, uh, and, and to set the precedence to say that we're not here just to ask people to donate. You know, I even donated myself because, again, the mission is incredible. When you, when we did this, and we did it in Miami, Natchitoches, San Antonio, and we have a few coming up. But when you get patients that didn't realize they had a problem, and we know that if they amputate your leg, the chances of you being here in five years is non-existent. You know, these people are so grateful. One lady, I'm going to tell you, she was actually a worker helping us out volunteering. Her eyes checked. The optometrist was not upset, but he was just amazed. This lady could have gone blind if she wouldn't happen to be there because she had both retinas detached and she didn't know it. So I have to ask, when I hear the name save a leg, save a life, I'm not thinking about the eyes. But you decided when you were having these events, let's do a few different checkpoints to help people forestall something really bad. So with my very background and with the background of the board, you know, I think we had, and I'm just going to give you a, a quick guess. I think we had about 20 different stations. We were using, we were looking at vitals, blood pressure, heart rate, oxygenation. We were looking at glucose for diabetics. We were looking at foot assessments, deformities. We were using long wave infrared and near infrared spectroscopy. We were doing balance testing because here's the other thing. If you have a wound and you become debilitated because you're not able to walk, when you heal, you're going to fall and break your hip. And so we had so many different stations to give the patient an accurate um, uh, state of mind. Talk about patient advocacy. I absolutely love that. And I do have to ask, how do you in your practice incorporate lymphopressed pneumatic compression therapy? How does it help the wound? Help explain that to our viewers. So the way we look at, and this is on the lymphedema side, of course, but you know we publish things like this and I've been involved with, again, smart people, terrific people. But in general, uh, the practice that I have now uh, it's not just lymphedema, it's any patients with, with, with swelling that's not being, um, uh, uh, it's not residing because it will impede the healing process. And so you have so many options that you can have. So uh, when you have uh, products like lymphopress, 
we incorporate them because not only this may come back depending on the condition. So the patient, you got to help them manage their own condition. And so this is something that they can do at home and not necessarily wait once a week to come see us. And so it, it becomes part of the, the treatment. And, you know, I do have to say, early on, as the lymphedema instructors, we used to learn that no, pumps are not good. You know, pumps are good if you use them at the end. But you know what? Sometimes when I was in, uh, in Natchitoches, I was the only lymphedema therapist. Uh, we had a large population and they were not willing to drive an hour and a half, two or three times a week. And so we had to get them started with something until we can get them in the right direction. And so, um, so anyway, to give you an answer, times have changed because now there's more evidence saying how the benefits of starting these products a little earlier. And then they can get back to that success story of living life again, gardening, mm -hmm. not being ashamed of their wounds or the smell associated with them. This is a multi-level problem. It's not just physical. And I really applaud the work that you're doing and the genuine care you have. They couldn't have a better person at the helm of SalSal, in my opinion. So what would you like to leave our viewers with today? What do they need to know? And what's on your wish list for the future? If you could have a crystal ball and say, this is what I want it to look like, what would it be? Oh, wow. You know, um, there, there's a lot there. I'm getting goosebumps because there's, um, but let's start with the takeaway. So the, the takeaway is that I have a few points, you know, that early diagnosis and treatment by qualified personnel can save legs, save lives. Treat a wound like if you would have cancer. If you get diagnosed with cancer, you will actually go straight to an oncologist, somebody that deals with that. With the wound, statistics show that the mortality rate is as high as cancer and, and even higher than some other cancers. But if you have a wound that's not healing, see a specialized person, okay? Um, the other thing is, again, look on the SalSal website because, again, we want to change. So there's some things in the future I can't talk about now, uh, but patients can, can have access to other things. Number two, do not suffer in silence. You know, don't be a statistics. Get the right help. Uh, it is not the norm to have a wound for years. If it's not, even if you're going somewhere, if it's not getting better, ask why. When I started the other clinic in Louisiana, I used to tell the nurses, if the person can't tell you why, the person teaching you or the doctor, then look at somewhere else, okay? The third one is that um, Save a Leg, Save a Life Foundation is a nonprofit organization. And what we do is we want to serve the patients, the communities, and the healthcare professionals by providing education and free screenings. And that look on our website, but also realize that Donation is how we can move forward. And so if you have patients that need help, whether it's diabetic shoes or something, if you donate, we'd be able to help more patients. And so that's the takeaway. As far as for the future, um, I see, and, and this is, I don't know if you're aware, Brenda, and this is not to highlight a lot of things, but you know, a lot of things, being the patient advocate, for this interview, I kind of started thinking, what have I started for education? And so in the future, I want to have the ability for patients 
to have a voice. And the only way they can do that is by, by educating themselves. And so I started programs like the Today's Wound Clinic, Let's Be Frank column, the Frank and Lissy Show, Wound Buster, uh, Wound Healing Roundtables, Virtual Wound Rounds, Why Wound Care, the collaborative network that I'm starting. But I see that South South will be able to have a better um, ability to educate patients and also have patients become part of South South. I love it. And I have to applaud, you're always putting out thought-provoking content. And I know it takes time to do that. So thank you for the service that you provide to the healthcare professionals, as well as to the patients. And thank you for your time today. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. Well, it's a pleasure being here. Thank you for asking me to do this. I felt like I was doing a TED Talk. I mean, this is my highlight. I and, know. We, and, we, we could repackage this for a TED Talk. I love it. And I hope to have you back. You've been very gracious to be involved with some of our educational webinars, our research roundtable. And now it's quite appropriate in your role with SalSal that we did this as part of our leadership series. We know that we'll have you back again. And we thank our viewers for tuning into this edition of the leadership series. We hope that you know more about SalSal now and how you can get involved and how it can help you. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks, Frank. Thank you so much.